You're listening to The Fully Occupied Show, presented by Occupier. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning into The Fully Occupied Show. We appreciate your listenership. Be sure to follow us on your favorite listening platform and like and share every single one of our episodes. Uh, this conversation that I am uh, having today is with Dylan Elkner. Dylan's one of the co-founders of SightRise. Dylan has spent a 15-year career building out retail stores for the likes of Apple and Tesla and Enjoy Technologies. Uh, he actually built some in-house um, software over his uh, career uh, to support uh, the uh, efficiencies of opening stores. Um, since then, he's uh, left his full-time gig to start a company called SightRise. Uh, SightRise helps companies, uh, especially emerging retail brands, uh, centralize their entire process for site selection uh, and build out and uh, door opening uh, for retail stores. Uh, Dylan's got a wealth of knowledge in the retail space, and we had a great conversation, so we hope you enjoy. Hey, Dylan, welcome to the Fully Occupied Show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Matt, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to see you, man. Um, excited to hear about all the progress that you've, you guys have made. Um, why don't you introduce yourself for our, uh, for our listeners? Yeah, sure. I'm Dylan Oakner. I'm one of the co-founders of SiteRise, our application helping retail development teams streamline their process. I've uh, spent the last 15 years uh, working in retail from my days at Apple to Tesla and then from there into a company called Enjoy. Uh, building process and just been passionate about retail and process in general and and really making sure we can document and have uh, all of our all of our documents all of our process all of our communication in one platform to allow retailers to expand um, you know when I first joined Tesla uh, in 2013 there was no database of stores there was no no process and we built it from scratch um, just taking some of our learnings that we had built at Apple and uh, and then just advancing every time when we got to enjoy to build a really great app that allows real estate development, operations teams, finance teams, HR teams to have a, a source of truth and a platform that uh, engages their tailor-made process to be as efficient as possible. Yeah, I, I remember meeting with you uh, in your offices at Enjoy and uh, trying to sell you Occupier. And you're like, uh, yeah, we've kind of like built something ourselves that's like pretty good. So um, obviously there's some nuances between what we do and what you do, and we can dive into those synergies and stuff. But I thought it was pretty impressive that like you had like used all the knowledge that you gained through your years at Apple and Tesla and actually created something that was like high value for the company. I mean, in, in 2009, Matt, when I joined Apple Retail Development in Cupertino, they were taking accordion files and we were carrying them from department to department to bring you know, leasehold comments or uh, you know, potentially even just test fits. And as the progress and the project continued and grow, this folder got bigger and bigger and bigger and you lost the history and the ability to digitally navigate it. And I, I said to, to Nairman, our co-founder, and, and you know, he's you know, the technical side of this, there's got to be a better way to do this. And sure and forth, we built a process that's searchable, organized by your template and... Uh, really kind of streamlines how, how companies do it. So it, it was a lot of fun. I, I remember sitting with you and thinking, did I just make a mistake telling Matt that we, uh, we can do this better ourselves when in reality we don't touch leases at all? So 
we, we probably could have used your services. <laughs> yeah, but there, there's a natural extension from, um, you know, obviously the development of a store to, to its lease, but we can dive into that a little bit later. So why don't you give us just like a little deeper understanding of how SiteRise works and, and what you're doing for your, your end users? Yeah, so the, the SiteRise team comes into a retailer that's expanding and, and takes you know, a week or two to really learn your process. Where do you store your documents? Great. What, what is your process? From the day the CEO, the board of directors says, Matt, build me a new store in Boston, what does that look like? What's that time frame? And what dependencies do you have to do to get there? So we take all of that and digitize the process for them in a template that allows them to be efficient and have a place that's by milestone that allows them to look and, and store all their, their applications, their documents, and then what's related to each milestone. So to make it simple, we, we take it so that you can actually have an action-oriented system versus a linear reporting tool like Excel or Smartsheets. Um, and then on, on the top layer, we put executive reporting on it. So live, all of your executives, your project managers, your, 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 your new store opening managers can see exactly how a project is tracking down to the deliverable date and when things are due uh, in the palm of your hand. So um, we've also taken it one step further. We've invited all of our architects, engineers, general contractors into the platform and allowing everyone to have synergy in the documents. We've gone to the days of, am I using the latest version? Uh, where are my red lines? I know I looked at this before, right? All that lives in one place, and the system tells you if you're looking at the latest version, we have version control built right in so you can see that. We digitize previews on the spot so you don't need to download your files. Uh, it's, it's pretty efficient. So SiteRise helps kind of bring that entire life cycle of a retail store um, from, from cradle to grave or dirt to balloons uh, really live. Dirt to balloons, I like that. Um, so that, yeah, that uh, kind of hits on my next question, which was like, what is the like the key drivers of value like for these companies? Like, if you're like an emerging retail brand, maybe you've had a digital presence, and you're like, you know what, we're going in a brick and mortar. We want to open five test stores in different test markets or whatever, just to see if like we get some traction or whatever. Is the goal? What, what are their goals at that point? Is it to get the store open and making money as soon as possible? Is it to build the best product possible, attract more customers? Like how, 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 how do you articulate like the challenges that they're facing when they're looking to open like their first wave of stores? Yeah, let, let's break it into two parts. I think the, the ultimate goal of any retailer that's going from brick and mortar or exists is to open doors faster. The faster I can open the door, the more efficiently I can open that door, the more I can bring in revenue weeks. Right, efficiencies are going to be grown by the economies of scale. So the quicker that I can, if you look at retail in general, Matt, it's it's what we call manufacturing in the field. It's one of the only companies or products out there that takes a design, prototypes it, and then rolls it out 15, 12, 30 times a year. Right? Maybe they revise on it as they grow, but for the most part, it's a you know a retail store is, is continuing to implement. So uh, a lot of our clients, most of our clients, are looking at our platform to help them stay organized, not lose their history, and really be efficient, and report out on the progress of every job. Um, you know, Project managers you know, come and go, and as you continue to go with a project manager, you don't want to lose the history. I mean, you know this as well as I do. Look at red lines on a lease or an LOI um, you know, or a work letter. All the history is in how many landlords you've dealt with before. You know the flavor they're going to like. And so the more we can reproduce that and allow that to be cataloged, searchable, and documented, can only grow your efficiencies. Yep. And, and uh, as, you, as you kind of build your process out and you become more efficient, what are some of like the downstream benefits of that? Are you, 
Are you building your brand better because you're able to deliver stores faster? Are you better at iterating through like design concepts that like may or may not be working in certain stores? What are some of the, the, the downstream effects of this? So we're seeing a lot of benefits in, in two things. One, cross interdepartmental communication. First, first downstream effect that we see is departments now have the ability and visibility at, at, you know, at the permission level to see what your peers and partners are working on and allow them to be ready more efficient. HR can hire on time and know when the store is going to open. New store opening team can plan effectively to be there when you're done and get a certificate of occupancy. Right, so we're seeing the effects of efficiencies in that scale pretty quickly. And as stores continue to roll out and we have the ability to uh, kind of monitor how sales are doing and how things are full cycle, you have the ability to determine which steps in the process you took were most effective. And maybe cut some of the fat and reduce the time um, to build the store. You know, also like you have the ability to look at um, how many RFIs you're looking across a trend. Are we seeing a lot of sprinkler RFIs or plumbing issues? Let's look at the overarching issue and where the pattern is. So. We're able to help at the even at the drawing level to say, hey, these are the patterns that we're seeing. Let's go ahead and see how we can reduce those by fixing them in a prototype set or even in a, in a earlier set of drawings, like a, like a design directive or a 95 set before we go in for a permit. So drawing patterns increases efficiency and, and really helps us downstream. Yeah, um, I'm a complete neophyte when it comes to what it takes to build out a retail store. So pardon if I ask you some dumb questions, but um, like... I always wondered when like the supply chain gets set up for these stores. Is it like way before the store was opened? We've already figured out how we're going to get our merchandise to the geography and then distribute that to the store and wow, warehouse it, inventory it, and then, you know, maintain it. Or is it like the store footprint needs to be there first and then you figure all that stuff out? You know, it's funny. Are you, are you first in country? Are you first in state? Are you first in region? Um, do we have a store there before? And then we're just really looking at the, the, the logistics process and refining it. Um, we found that most first-in-country stores obviously take a little longer to get the, the, the retail logistics team up and running. Um, but we're going we're gonna to encourage, and most of our retailers encourage, how to get the product to the store before we build a store. right? And there might be some products you don't offer in different regions. You know, Take the clothing industry, for example, Matt. You don't offer the same winter packages uh, you know, in Arizona and California that you do in New York. And that might affect your displays. And so the logistics side is definitely established first to allow you to build a footprint that, that works for that region, state, country, et cetera. Cool. That makes a ton of sense. Probably a dumb question. You got to figure out if you could actually sell this stuff in the market before you get it there right. and build a store. I think a lot of people don't uh, think about the variations. <laughs> people probably don't think about the variations in inventory. I mean, look on the Apple side. Apple sells uh, like sports branded cases, right, or different flair for – for different um, regions, you know, I'm not going to put a Red Sox case in in San Jose or San Francisco. It doesn't make any sense. So logistics got to figure out how to get all the product that's ideal for that territory there ahead of time. Yep. And how could you guys um, assist in like site selection? Um, I would imagine that like what you said before in terms of seeing trends and certain um, aspects of like the, either the build out process or uh, you know, just the, the planning process that you, you'll start to understand <clears throat> what are the types of buildings, assets, neighborhoods, locations that are actually, um, forget about like selling merchandise, but easy for us to like open doors in. Yeah. So first of all, we, we can trend analysis on what's being successful for, for the team. But if you take one step further back, when, when a retailer says they want to go into a location, right? Uh, we want to be in the back bay, right? That's a location. 
right? When I look at that, they're going to call a broker. A broker is going to put together a long list, uh, you know, eight, ten sites that meet the quote-unquote criteria. And the project manager, real estate manager, director of real estate is going to dive in and say, okay, out of the ten, these are my top three. Right there, that's when SiteRise engages. And we engage the broker to upload their LODs, their photos, any you know marketing flyers they have on it. And I really allow the software and the platform to start assessing that. We can start looking at test fits. That information goes to the designers right away. And so one of the real big benefits is if, if we choose or we're going to go with um, you know the first site that we saw today, tomorrow we can go back 18 months, 24 months later and say, you know, we, we need a second location there. What, what was the deal we did before? What were the terms on that LOI? And we really have the ability to go back and, and look at historical information to know that. And furthermore, we can say we really like doing business with XYZ Landlord. You know, we only went one round of red lines with them. Um, let's go back and see if they want to make another deal. So we can start to look at efficiencies and trends in partnerships and location-based stats. Yep. Broad strokes, and I know that you're not a, a economist or whatever, but what are some of the um, trends you're seeing out there in the retail real estate world? Yeah, I mean, we're seeing, first of all, retail is blowing up. We're seeing a lot of competition for, for spaces. We're seeing that if you don't take a space and negotiate on it uh, and are, are a emerging brand, you're going to sacrifice a little bit in, in kind of the two levers, right? Position and cost. Uh, how much do you want to pay and where do you want to be on the 50-yard line, the 20-yard line, the goal line? I think um, a lot of the trends that we're seeing are faster deals are being made and um, you know, companies are accelerating pretty quickly. There's a lot of growth out there. There's been a lot of funding uh, you know, as of recent, and I think coming out of uh, coming out of what we've seen in the last two years, retail's coming back with a boom. Yeah, what are some of the like specific verticals that you see are performing the best and worst? We've had a couple of uh, recent guests on here who have kind of uh, dove into like kind of new ways of retail use. Like one, uh, one was uh, entertainment. So your, I don't know, your Dave and Buster's, your Putt Shacks, the those concepts seem to be booming. Uh, pickleball. Uh, everywhere you uh, go. Everywhere you go. Um, like, what are some of the things that you're seeing out there that are uh, that are driving the growth? I mean, I haven't heard the term entertainment, so that's pretty funny. Um, but I, I'd say a, a lot of that activity and dining is what we're seeing take off as well. Like, there are long lead time builds, though. Putt shacks take a long time. Uh, you know, top golf's great. Everyone loves a good top golf outing. Takes a long time to build. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of trend in the coffee industry right now. Um, Either they're reducing their footprint size and, and doing drive-throughs, or I was at my first Starbucks pickup-only location the other day in Nashville. Pretty cool, small little uh, kiosk inside of an office building. You know, you order to the you order there and pick it up. So I think we're seeing footprints looked at um, with in, in the eyes of efficiency, uh, and that's really driving a lot of what we're, we're seeing. Yeah, um, one of our um, customers, Blank Street, is growing like crazy and. Crazy. Uh, you walk into those stores and they're so uh, minimalist and simple, but yet they're so good at like just pumping out coffees. Um, yeah. And they're, they're and concept. Yeah. So go ahead. That's like the leader in rapid expansion coffee. You, you can't get any better than Blink Street. Yeah. In fact, there's two of them in my neighborhood and I'm always concerned like which one's going to cannibalize the other, but they always both seem really busy. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. The other thing we're seeing, I just started thinking about this the other day, we're seeing a lot of like health and wellness pop up again. A lot of these IV trend places or, um, you know, uh, where you're starting to bring in a different line of retail where you have a nurse or a nurse practitioner inside the facility doing, you know, Botox or a lot different other health and wellness um, platforms. So I think those are the two things we see growing the most rapidly. Are you seeing more growth in uh, dense urban areas or suburban? 
no. I, well, everyone tackles the equation differently. I think the small coffee, small coffee chain is going pretty dense as quick as they can, right? There's obviously a big scale to that. And, and again, once your logistics and operations are set up in that Nestric, you're just adding one more stop to the train, right? Um, I think in the, in the urban side of this, we're seeing uh, you know, a lot more of the health and wellness and um, come on in, have an appointment type of space where the parking is more valid and, and you have the ability to kind of spend a half hour, 45 minutes there. Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like this kind of shift to hybrid work and work from home, which seems to be here to stay, is sending some ripple effects through like the retail uh, sector, just because now you have people who are used to be commuting into like the central business district of their city. They enjoyed those amenities, the coffee shops, the lunch spots, the gym that they used to go to. Um, but now they're working from home and they don't want to sacrifice all of those amenities. Um, but maybe they weren't established in their neighborhood yet or their town um, or just the town next next door. So it seems like there's this boom in, um, you know, like lifestyle retail that's like spreading out to the burbs. 100% I would agree. There's a coffee shop not far from my house that's blown up in the last two or three years. And you just walk in to get a cup of coffee. But you're right. You would have grabbed that on your commute normally or you would have gone downstairs in the office to, and, you know, walked a block to get it. So I think I think it's pretty spot on. I think you're seeing a lot of densification or or I guess production of these facilities kind of uh, a little further out. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think like. I, th I don't know. I, I just think that people are going to just get used to having way more convenience now. And like you're seeing yeah. like the, the Starbucks example you gave, it's like crazy how many of these like tiny kiosk pop-ups are showing up all over the place and then you never really noticed it, but they were there to begin with, right? You go to a gas station, it'd be like a Dunkin' Donuts event. Yeah. It's like, it just makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it, it's the, I mean, this Starbucks pickup thing was mind boggling. I saw it on the app, ordered it, you know, as I walked across the bridge in Nashville and it was, you know, ready when I got there, which is pretty cool. It's, you know, three or four minute wait. It's in the bottom of an Amazon building. You know, I'm sure they drive a ton of traffic during the day and they close at six. So you're shorting your hours. You're looking at different type of employment opportunities for people that want to be home with their families, you know, and uh, it's where you need it. Yeah. Just going back to SiteRise, uh, what's what's uh, what's in store for the future for you guys? Yeah, we're in the circuit right now. So, uh, I mean, you know this game better than anybody. We're off to, to all the conventions. We just came back from Retail Live in Nashville this week. Uh, next week, we're at E-Tail in Boston, followed by ICSC in New York, not too long from there. Really just, uh, you know, meeting clients and potential clients and making relationships. I think um, I'm sure you guys have the same experience that we do online and, and LinkedIn goes so far, but belly to belly sales is, is really what people want to see these days. I've never seen so many people excited to be back at a retail conference. I did in, in retail live and they did a great job. It's a, it's a great organization, but we, uh, it was organized. Well, there were people who were excited to be there and everybody was chatty. It wasn't uh, standoffish at all. So I think, SiteRise's next uh, four months looks like belly-to-belly -belly sales and really meeting customers and meeting, building relationships. Pressing the flesh. Yeah. Real, real estate industry loves that. Um, all right, let's do, some rapid let's do some rapid fire questions with Dylan here. Okay, question number one. What's your favorite go-to summer treat? Oh, an ice cream sundae. Any of the week. Uh, any specific toppings you like to mint, put on that Mint chip, boy? hot fudge. Mint chip, hot fudge is my go-to. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a mint. I'm a mint guy too. Uh, I found I found a mint um, chocolate cookie ice cream here locally in Boston at JP Licks. It's got like basically crumbled up Oreos in the mint ice cream. 
It's good. I was at, I was in uh, Bend, Oregon last week. Went to Handler's Ice Cream for the first time, and they had a Oreo dough ice cream that was pretty good. So cookie dough and Oreo in one shot. Pretty Oof. nice. Yeah. Home run. Question two. Um, what's the most interesting book or TV show that you've experienced lately? Oh, man. I just finished Danny Meyer's book, uh, uh, um, the hospitality book. I'm going to blink on the name. But it's actually really interesting about the Madison Park Avenue or 11 Madison Park uh, restaurant. And um, that was that's a fascinating story to hear. I think I've watched Danny Meyer since I was a kid grow his business and you know, now look at Shake Shack. So I, I enjoyed that one. I'll have to get Danny Meyer on this show. Um, how about um, if you could drive any fictional vehicle, any fictional vehicle like like the Batmobile or um, like a spaceship, like what would it be? I think actually for convenience, I want any of the vehicles in the Jetsons. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, the Batmobile anyway. would be cool, but like imagine the crowd of people that you get when you park. Like Jetsons, like I could just kind of drop out when I was done and get a cup of coffee. I love the Jetsons. That's a blast yeah. from the past. Um, question four. Um, what's uh, what's the best way you, you're looking for to relax this summer? Well, here on the West Coast, kids going back to school yesterday. So the summer's ended. Um, oh, summer's over. Sorry about that. Isn't that crazy? You're getting ready to go out and we're, we're done. Um, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed relaxing on the beach with my kids and letting them play. It's kind of fun to watch. Uh, we have a blast and... Everyone's a mess when you go home. So I think that was our biggest hit this summer. Yeah, just hose them down in the outdoor, outdoor shower and call it a day. Yeah, they still make a mess in your car. It works out great. <laughs> uh, Dylan, it's been great having you on the show. We, we asked this final question of everybody. Who are you know, one or two people you think that uh, would be good guests for us? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I think based on the trend of our conversation, some of these emerging retailers and how they're op- optimizing for growth. Um, the Blank Street guys would be cool to hang out with, I think, for you guys. Um, man, I'm trying to think of someone in the health and wellness field. That would be awesome. But uh, I would say any, any one of the retailers that are really expanding, uh, great. Cool. Fun to hear what they're fun to hear what they're having success with, right? Or or not? Yeah, hearing it from the actual end users' perspective would be interesting. Yeah. All right, Dylan. Thanks. Thanks so much. Appreciate you joining. Matt's great. Thanks to you. Good to see you soon. Take it easy.